If you have your Bibles, if you will turn to Daniel chapter 10. While you're turning there, we have already mentioned our primary strategy in reaching people and connecting people to Jesus is through our small group ministry. But we don't want to take away from the fact that our, that our primary responsibility as believers is to make disciples of all nations that you and I have been called here in Skytook to take the gospel to the world. And, and we do that several ways. We do that by sending group. We have um, a group going to Tasco at the end of this month, a, a group going to Tasco at the end of next month in Mexico as we're sending our teams. We have one of our college students um, going on the, on the mission field for, uh, I believe, about a month next um, summer as well. Um, but one of, the, one of the ways that we can even go beyond that is to give towards um, Lottie Moon, um, towards this, this mission offering. Um, 100% of Lottie Moon um, goes directly onto the, the mission field and foreign missions. And so we, we ask that you give. You know, we are, we are a church that really, we, we push um, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. And one of the reasons we do that is so that we as a church, both, both as a church as a whole, um, and we as individuals and we as families can get us to a place where, where we can be more generous in sending people, um, sending the gospel to the, to the nations. You know, God, God calls us to give our tithes, um, our 10% to the Lord, and, and, and we want to be faithful in that. But I know I can speak for my family and, and many others who I've had this conversation with, that we don't just want to give the minimum to the Lord, that we want to get our, our family in a situation where we can be more generous to give so that more people um, can, can know the, the Lord, both here and around the world. So we hope that you consider praying, praying about that. Um, also, I want to point out that our, our church quarterly conference is tonight. Um, it'll be at the South Campus at um, 6, 6.30. Um, we'll have a, a dinner for you, a light dinner for you. Um, but we're going to talk about some things. Some, some, some of our committees will give some reports. Um, and then we'll look ahead to some things that we're planning for next year. So we hope that you come and be a part of this. Historically, a small percentage of the church body are, is a part of these conferences um, we hope that, that the whole body will come because it's so important what we do and, and your voice matters in this process. And so we hope that you come and be a part of that. So today, um, as we're talking about the book of Daniel, we're talking about how to be Christ-centered in Babylon. The, the focus shifts. You know, last week we had, we had prayer and repentance and that was what um, the, the theme of the book was or the, or the chapter was last week in chapter 9. When we get to chapter 10... And it's almost as if the curtain is pulled back and we're able to see um, the spiritual realm, something that's unseen um, to the naked eye. Um, you know, there's, there's really two ends of the spectrum that people tend to line up when thinking about the spiritual realm. Um, on, on this side, you have the group that says, everything bad happens to me is because of the devil. Like if I, if I get a flat tire, oh, the devil must want me to be late for work today. He must want me to miss church today, so I, I have this flat tire, and listen, maybe that's the case, or maybe you weren't paying attention and you ran over a piece of metal, okay? And then there's this other end of the spectrum that, that pretends as if, if the spiritual realm doesn't exist, that angels and demons, if they don't exist, um, and, and treat and go throughout life as if that doesn't exist. Well, Scripture says that there's, that there's something in the middle that we need to be aware of. There's a biblical... Um, perspective on the spiritual realm that we need to be aware of um, so that, that we can know how to battle. Okay, There is a battle that's going on that's unseen. You know, Ephesians, we went through the book of Ephesians, it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But, but there is something that we do wrestle against, and we're going to see a picture of that today in Daniel chapter 10. If you found that, if you would stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. Daniel chapter 10, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. Verse 2, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies. No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eye, my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen 
with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was barrel, was like barrel, and his face was like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like flaming, flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Verse 10. Behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been, I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I've come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For this vision is for days yet to come. Verse 15, when he'd spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. And I said to him who stood before me, O oh my Lord, my, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Verse 18 again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O oh man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you've strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to visit, come, come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I tell you, what is inscribed in the book of the truth, there is none who contends by my side again against these except Michael, your prince. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. So again, there's there's lots here. There's lots of there's lots of visions here that Daniel is able to see that no one else is able to see. And and um, we're gonna we're gonna take a peek in this. But I, I want to point out the fact that Daniel is here and he is seeing this vision. And there's this interpretation of this vision, and he's seeing this, and it's kind of a deeper vision than than what he's even seen up to this point. And listen, all this I want to point out is after chapter 9. Okay, it's like, it's after Daniel has repented, God has pulled the curtain back and has allowed him to be able to see something that he had not been able to see in, in the past. All, all of this, all, after chapter 9, because of chapter 9, the curtain's pulled back for Daniel and for us. And this morning, what we're looking at is, is we're looking at how to be Christ-centered um, in the spiritual realm. You guys with me? Alright, number one. Number one, we have to be aware of an unseen realm. Okay, I've been talking about it, been hinting at it, but, but number one, um, we have to be aware that there's this realm, that there's this spiritual realm that exists. Okay, I want to point out um, who's involved um, in chapter 10. So in verses 1 through 4, um, you have Daniel, right? Um, verse 1 talks about Daniel. Um, we can go ahead and let's go, just go ahead and look at it. Um, verse 1 through 4 says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and, and the word was true, and it was great conflict, and he understood the word, had understanding of the vision. Verse 2 In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the, on the 24th day of this first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, there's a tigress. Um, and he, he goes on and he goes on to explain what he's seeing and what's going on. But listen, these first four, four verses, it's Daniel, and he is, he is recounting what it is that he saw. Okay? But, but Daniel's not there by himself. Um, in verse 5 and 6, it, it, it says that he saw a man. Okay, look at this. Look at verse 5 and 6. <clears throat> it says, I lifted up my eyes and I looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist, and, and his body was like barrel, his face like the, 
appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming, flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Verse 8, I was left alone and saw this great vision. No strength was left in me. My radiant appearance spiritually changed, and I retained no strength. And I heard the sound of his words. As I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. I mean, this is a, this is a terrifying vision of a, of a man. Alright, listen. It almost sounds exactly the same as what John wrote a few thousand years later um, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. Listen to John's description. And by the way, he's talking about Jesus. And in the midst of the lampstand, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Listen, this is almost an exact replica in, in Revelation that you see years earlier that Daniel is, is looking at. John identifies this man as Jesus. Who's Daniel looking at? Jesus. Who existed from the beginning. Like Jesus wasn't created. Right? Like He, he didn't come onto the scene when He was born. He existed with God in, in the beginning. Colossians talks about how everything was created by Jesus. Okay, so, so we have Daniel here. It, it seems as if we have Jesus here in this vision. Um, in verse 10 um, through 12, look, look at what we have. We, we have another guy. Behold a man, um, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my knees. Um, and he said to me, O beloved Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now um, I have been sent to you. Uh, verse 12, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I've, and I've come because of your words. Now listen, this guy's not given a, um, a name, but if you look in Daniel chapter 8, verse 16, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, is, is named there as he brings a message to, to Daniel. So scholars say that it's probably the same, the same angel. It's probably, um, probably Gabriel. But, but he's not the only one there. If you look at verse 13, um, there's, something, there's someone else there. Verse 13 says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now listen, he's not talking about Darius um, Cyrus's son, the prince of Persia. The description here um, is that of a of a fallen angel, all right, right, a a, a demon. Um, and, and here's how we know this because it goes on to say, but Michael, the arch the archangel, right, one of the chief princes. He's also described as a as a prince here. He came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And, and so what you have is you have this this realm um, where, where Daniel's eyes are opened up. He's able to see this. He sees Jesus. Uh, he sees probably Gabriel. He sees the prince of, of Persia. And you just get the sense that, that there's this demonic force that has been sent to influence the nation, this, this nation here, Persia. To influence, to come against the things of God. Okay, if, as we read on, um, we're going to see that there's a prince um, of Greece that's to come. And so you just get the idea that, that as you look at the spiritual realm and things that we don't even see, you get the idea that there's this demonic force that has been assigned to this nation, and this nation, and this nation. Kind of makes you wonder if some of the things that we're experiencing today is not because we... There's this influence on our nation. And listen, it's not a stretch to think that something demonic is also assigned to cities. And it's not a stretch to think that something demonic can be assigned to schools. And it's not a stretch to think that something demonic can be assigned to businesses. And something, can be, something demonic can be assigned to churches. And something demonic can be assigned to homes. It's not a stretch at all. Because you see here in Daniel that that's what's going on. That there's, that there's something influencing, there's this battle going on. 
Verse 13 and 14, I already read it. But, but it's Michael. You, you get the, Michael, one of, the, one of the chief princes, he comes. And, and there's this battle going on. He says, I've been trying to get to you for 21 days. I haven't been able to because the prince of Persia has been keeping me until, until Michael the archangel shows up and put a stop to him so I could come deliver a message to you. There's this massive battle going on and Daniel gets to see it. Can I just remind you that this is coming on the heels of chapter 9 after Daniel has repented. And there's something about repentance. There's something about seeing our sin um, for, how, for how it really is, um, for, the, for, for the offense that it causes our God. There's something about seeing sin the way God does and dealing with that and repenting of that that leads us to new heights um, spiritually. That allows us to see things spiritually that we had not seen before. Now listen, no one else sees it. If you look at verse 7, um, look what it says here. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Ironic that he's the only one in chapter 9 repenting. And now in chapter 10, he's the only one that gets to see um, this, this spiritual thing. Um, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. They, they didn't see it. Something was going on. They, they, were, they were unaware of it. Can I tell you that most of us are like the guys in chapter 7? There's this battle going on. And like God's wanting to reveal things to us. Maybe about the battle, maybe about something else. Like there's this intimacy with God that exists after repentance. Many times we never get to see because we're like these we're like these guys that when God starts doing cool things, we're kind of like, ooh, I don't want too much of that. Kind of kind of messes us up a little bit. Like most of us, most of us are like chapter are like the guys in verse seven. And like for for some of us that, that get to to be like Daniel, like that this closeness to God, I'm not saying that we see stuff like this. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there's an intimacy with God that's available that goes beyond salvation. It's real. And it's good. But, but most of us, most of us spend our time like these guys in verse 7. When God starts doing something great, we kind of back off or we miss it entirely. See, most of us have been lulled to sleep by the enemy into a state of ineffectiveness. Even though we do good things. like Maybe we read our Bibles. Maybe we show up for church. Maybe we're in a small group. Maybe we do all, all the things that, quote, a, a good Christian should do. But we lack intimacy because we've been lulled to sleep by the enemy. But Scripture indicates that there's a world unseen. Netflix has this, uh, this hit, Stranger Things, right? How many of you watched it? Stranger Things, yeah, I got, got a few. Stranger Things, okay? Listen, the whole thing in Stranger Things is that there's this parallel universe that exists that no one knows, okay? And listen, I'm not saying, I'm not like saying that this is what it's like, okay? But just, just go with me for a second. In Stranger Things, there's this, they call it the upside down. It's this parallel universe that exists, and things kind of look the same as the real world. There's just this, this dark force doing whatever it can to, to interrupt where we're at. And at certain points, people can sense it. At certain points, people can feel it. They just can't see it. There's, a, there's such, a, such a realm, it's a spiritual realm, that Daniel wants us to know exists. Nick Ripkin, in his book, Insanity of God, he describes a, a way that you can get on a plane in the New Testament, which is where we're at. And you can fly somewhere in the world where the gospel has not penetrated yet. He says you get off the plane and you're, it's like you're in the Old Testament 
with, with this judgment and this wrath and this and this heaviness. I talk to many of my friends who are missionaries that go to such places. And nearly every one of them have described it the same thing, the same way. They said in other in parts of the world where the gospel hasn't penetrated, they, they say it's a it's like a darkness that you can feel. A darkness you can feel. I was talking just this last week with one of our um, our, our missionaries who, who has served overseas and just described that heaviness. But now that she knows it exists, senses it a lot more. The darkness you can feel. That's why we're so adamant about sending our dollars overseas to these places so that we can, not, not just to send money, not just to dig a well, not just to provide some food, but to send the gospel. Because when the gospel penetrates these areas, the, the darkness seems to be pushed back. That's why we give. Listen, if Jesus is real, and not any of us here would probably debate that, if Jesus is real, then certainly the enemy is real too. And according to Daniel... He's working much, much, much more than we give Him credit for. Working in our marriages, working in our homes, working in our families, in our businesses. We credit it to this, we credit it to that, we credit it to that. Scripture says there is something behind this that is assigned to influence where we're at. Number one, there, we have to be aware of an unseen realm. But number two, we need to understand that prayer and fasting makes a difference. That prayer and fasting makes a difference. If you look at verse 2 with me, look what it says. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Okay, the description of what Daniel's doing here. Okay, he's not eating. He's not, he's not drinking. It says he's not anointing himself. Okay, he's not like um, fixing his hair. He's not washing his face. Uh, it says that he's in mourning. This paints a picture in the Old Testament of what they did when they fasted. When what they did was they gave up food, and they gave up certain drinks, um, um, everything but water, sometimes even that. And they spent a significant amount of time crying out to God and seeking Him. Okay, Daniel is fasting here. You know, it's amazing again, after chapter 9, after this repentance, a- after he has gotten right with God. He doesn't just go on with life. It's like God leads him deeper. And now he's, he's fasting here. We're, we're in chapter 1, he was giving up I'm eating, eating the, the meat, drinking the wine because it was sacrificed to idols. He didn't want a part of that. Now he's giving it up so that he can seek God. We're taken to new heights spiritually when we truly repent, take our sins seriously. And one of the tools we've been given to make a difference is prayer and fasting. And I know what you're thinking. We're in trouble, Right? We're in trouble because we're Baptists and we like our food. Right? I mean, that, that's what we, we like. We love to joke about that. We love to joke about our potlucks. We love to joke about, um, oh, I'm Baptist. <laughs> I love my food, can't you tell? You know, we, we love jokes like that. But the sad reality is that when God calls us to fast, we somehow push that to the side and instead choose our food rather than this intimacy with Him. Fasting isn't very Baptist, but it's necessary. Do you know that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you fast, and then He goes and He lists a whole host of things to do and not do. You know what that implies? That we fast. That we give up food and drink for a, for a time and just seek Him. Luke chapter 4, 
Jesus fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, um, and then he encounters the devil on the temptation of Jesus. Um, Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. It's like, it's like before um, withstanding the temptation of the devil, before withstanding him, he fasts. Like he, he, he's, he's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And Scripture says that he fasts during this time, that he seeks God during this time, that he gives up these things during this time. Why? I believe it's so he could withstand what the devil is going to bring against him. The devil said, oh, you, you haven't ate anything for 40 days. How about some food? Oh, you, oh you're the Son of God? Well, let me do this then and prove it. Well, I can give you all this power if you'll just do this. And every time, because he had fasted, because he had spent time with God, he, he was at this, this depth where he could withstand. Withstand the devil. Could it be? Could it be that the reason we give in so much to temptation is because we don't. We don't fast. Could it be that the sins that you did this week, that you promised God a hundred times you wouldn't, and you were serious about it. Could it be because we don't fast? At the end of the temptation in Luke chapter 4, after Jesus had fasted, it said that the, the devil, um, it said that the devil departed him for an opportune time. In other words, there was a time that, that would be coming when he would try it again. But he knew he couldn't get him after he had fasted and spent time with God. That he departed for an opportune time. Listen, you might be able to stand for a time or two or ten. He's just going to keep coming back. Unless we fast. It seems to be the prescription to withstand. Luke chapter 2, um, Anna was fasting when the Lord revealed to her that, that baby Jesus was Messiah. In Acts chapter 13, the church was fasting and it led them to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and they set aside Barnabas and Paul for ministry. They fasted some more and then they sent them off to do great things. In Acts chapter 14, with prayer and fasting, it says that they appointed elders in every church. You know, it seems like a big deal in the Bible, yet we rarely, if ever, do it. We'd rather have our food. Daniel chapter 10, look at verse uh, 12 with me. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I've come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to my help. For I was left there with the kings of Persia. Let me, let me stop there. Did you catch that? Like, he's fasting for 21 days. And this angel finally shows up with the answer that he'd been praying about. And he says, From the day, from the moment you prayed, I was sent with the answer. Doesn't it give you courage to know? Encouragement to know in your prayer time that when you pray, God hears and he answers. But I also want to point out that this angel had been trying to get to Daniel. From day one. And all this conflict had kept him from it. But Daniel kept praying. And he kept praying. And he kept praying. And he was fasting. And he was praying. And he was fasting and praying some more and praying some more. Until the enemy was withheld. And the answer was given. How many times do we stop praying after the first day, or after the tenth day. How many times do we get to week three, and we're just so sad? Oh, it must not be God's will. The answer must be no. Why isn't God listening? How many times do we stop? Do we give up? Do we get discouraged, thinking that God's not answering, or thinking that He's saying no? And the whole time there's this battle going on. 
that, that it seems to be that constant prayer is what makes the difference. That being steadfast in prayer, that fasting and praying, that doing these things, being persistent in it, it finally gets him the answer. Prayer and fasting makes a difference in the spiritual realm. As I was thinking about this, this sermon and prayer and fasting, um, I was reminded um, of the last time that that Randy and I that we that we prayed that we fasted um, like like intense intensely. Listen, we we fast along the way. We've given up a meal or we've given up a day of food. But listen, one time about five years ago, um, God led us to fast. And the fast that he let us do, we fasted for 85 hours. Nothing but water. It was hard until you got past the first day and it got a little bit easier, a little bit easier. But what was going on in the church we were serving? Is there was this conflict within the body? And there was this heaviness, there's this darkness that you could feel. I don't want anybody to think we're crazy, all right? Like don't don't think I'm crazy. But I worked at a church, and, and I was the only one on staff. I was the only one at that church. And I'd be doing my Bible study. And there were just times that I was sure that someone was there. And it, and it wasn't good. Like it wasn't a good feeling. And listen, churches are creepy enough. And um I'm serious. Like like come 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 to a church in the middle of the night. Right, when no one, it's creepy. There's sounds and there's all sorts of things. But there was this darkness that we that I could feel. I'm sure something was there. Someone was there. We lived in the a parsonage just right across the churchyard. And, and, and Randy and I both, we wake up in the middle of the night on occasion. I'm sure that someone was there. Something was there. And it wasn't it wasn't this scare where I, I go, went and got the gun. It wasn't that. There was just something there. There's something heavy there. And it wasn't a constant feeling. We'd feel it and then be gone like that, and we wouldn't feel it for three weeks, and then it'd be back. We prayed and we prayed and we fasted. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed some more and prayed some more. We had the conversation early on. You just, you just sense that something's not right. Yeah, this is it feels like this. Yeah, so what? So it feels like me. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we fasted and we prayed. We prayed some more. And I can't tell you when that went away. I can't pinpoint it, but I can tell you that it went away. So I remember having a conversation with my wife, saying, "I don't know when, but that, but it's whatever it is, it's gone." And they're saying, yeah, it is. It's gone. It, it happens with prayer and fasting. Something's just not right. There's just this heaviness. And it wakes you up. And it weighs on you. It's just not right. According to Scripture, it's prayer and fasting that makes a difference. Number one, be aware of the unseen realm. Number two, prayer and fasting makes a difference. And number three, the enemy can harass us, but our God is stronger. The enemy can harass us, but our God is stronger. Look at verse 8. I was left alone and saw the great vision no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. I retained no strength. Verse 15. He spoke to me according to these words. I turned my face before the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of man touched my lips. I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who, who stood before me, Oh my Lord, my, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me. I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me. No breath is left in me. Listen, all this that's going on is weighing on Daniel. I guess it's weighing on him tremendously. Listen, all this is happening. All this, all this warfare, but the enemy isn't allowed to touch him. 
Like all this is going on, and he doesn't see the enemy. The enemy's not even in his presence. God saved him from that. It's all around. It's all going on. He feels the effects. But the enemy isn't allowed to harm him. Because he can harass us. He, he can't harm us. He can harass us. If you're his, he can, he can harass you. But that's it. Luke 14, Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke 4, Matthew 4. Temptation to Jesus. It's the enemy bluffing. And he's saying all these things. He's trying to get Jesus to want all these things. To do all these things. He's coming at him. Do this, do this, do this. What about this? What about this? Prove this. He's good at running his mouth. You think I preach long? Be glad the enemy's not up here preaching. He is in some churches. He can harass us. He can't harm us. See, the enemy, he'll seek to wear you out. He'll wear you out with temptation. He'll wear you out with his bullying. He'll wear you out. He'll fatigue you. But listen, our God is stronger. I want you to see in this text, look what God does for Daniel. And, and I want you to understand that He'll do the same thing for us. Um, look what God does. Number one, He speaks His love over us. He speaks His love over us. Look at verse 11. And He said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved. Verse 19, He said, O man greatly loved. See, God speaks His love over His children. Listen, it's the enemy saying, oh, but what about this? You did this, and you did that, and you did this, and you did that. And he brings all these things up. How can God love you still? How can God not be mad at you? Look what you did. Once you know that our God speaks love over His children, He's not mad at you when you fall. If there's one thing God expects us to do, it's sin because all sin and falling short of the glory of God, He knows we're going to. He speaks love over His kids. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. He'll quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Just like we do with our kids. When they're hurt, when they're scared, we pick them up and hold them. We sing over them and pray over them. Celebrate them. There's that great love from a father to a child. How much more so our God, our Father, to His children. He speaks His love over us. Here's another way that God um, encourages us. He encourages us. He strengthens us. He strengthens us. Verse 18, again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. That's what God does. When the enemy tries to influence and, we, and we're trying, and, and He he tries to get us to give in. Or maybe we do give in, but God comes along and He strengthens us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and death, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Our God is stronger than the enemy. He speaks. Look what else He speaks. He speaks courage into us. Um, this is why we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. Verse 19, And He said, O man, greatly loved, fear not. You probably heard it said that uh, there's 360, I think it's 366 verses in the Bible. Um, do not fear. Have no fear. No fear. No fear. No fear. That's a one every day and then an extra for when you're having a really bad day. Is what, what, we, what we say. He encourages us. Well, why do we fast? Why do we pray? Why do we... Because that's what He uses to encourage us. Encourage us. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? 
Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it's written, for your sake, we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm sure of this, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's stronger. He encourages us. Here's how He does it. He speaks peace into us. Um, look at verse 19 with me. Um, it says, And He said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I've said and I've thought and I've felt, it doesn't matter what's happening out here as long as God gives me peace, right? Like, your world can be falling apart, but if God brings you peace, it doesn't feel so bad. You can be worried about this, but when God brings peace, it's not so bad. Your health could be going down the drain, but when God brings peace, it's not so bad. He gives that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. His, his strength is stronger than the enemy. He gives this when the enemy can't. And He gives these things that the enemy can't penetrate. Like he, no matter what He does, He can't disrupt. Here's what He does. Here's, here's a way that he, that he encourages us. He continues to fight for us. Um, look at verse 20 with me. He said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I return to fight against the prince of Persia. When I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I tell you what is inscribed in the book of, the, of truth. There is none who contends by my side except these, Michael, your, your, your prince. Your prince. People talk about having a guardian angel. And, and, and that's, that's, that's cool. But I want you to know that we have one. Who sits at the right hand of God that intercedes for us. Sometimes when we have words that we can't put into words what we're feeling or what we're needing, we have one that intercedes for us, that fights for us, that no matter what the enemy brings, no matter what accusation, he fights for us. Revelation um, chapter 19, verse 11. Listen to this. I love this. Listen to your listen. Listen to you, what you, who your God is. I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it's called faithful and true. That's our Lord. That's Jesus. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. There's that description again. And on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Doesn't it sound like John 1 that says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? It's this Jesus we're reading about. And the army, verse 14, the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he'll rule them with a rod of iron. He'll tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On His robe and on His thigh He has a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You didn't know Jesus had a tattoo, did you? I mean, it says that right there, right on His thigh, His name written King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And our God is so good. Gives us what we need, and when we lack peace, He gives peace. When we lack strength, He gives strength. When we feel like we can't fight anymore, 
He's fighting for us. And he, what, what do we have? What is brought against us that we, that we need? Well, what, what does He not supply that we need? I mean, everything we need in Christ, everything we ever need, we already have in Christ. We're never alone. But we can't see Him. We're never alone. But we can't see the Holy Spirit. He's given it to us to indwell us. But according to Ephesians chapter 1, it's a deposit of the inheritance that will one day come that we're sealed with, that we're stamped with it, never to leave us. Your spouse might, your kids might, your parents might, your friends might. Not our God. You're never alone with Him. Daniel gets a vision, I believe, of Jesus in those, in those verses 5, 6, 8, and 9. And, and, and all of Israel looked forward to the Messiah who would come. With all, and, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about the birth of Christ, um, the Christmas and all that. Listen, that, that baby, our Savior, grew up. And He went to the cross for our sins. And He took on the wrath of God that was due you and me, my sins. He took that on with Jesus. And Jesus died, and three days later He rose again. And He ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of God. One day to return and bring His kids home. We look forward to that. But until then, we're not alone. We're never alone. A few weeks ago, Emerson um, had a had a bad dream. You know, she's two. She has a bad dream, and she's um, she's coming in crying. And and I'm I'm always like, because I'm waking up in the middle of that, I'm like, I'm almost like, suck it up, go back to bed. And Randy's like, no, come here. And she like. Um, consoles her and encourages her and puts her in bed with us. He's like, right away, the crying's gone. The fear is gone. Because mom and dad are right there. That's what we have in Christ. We don't have to fear the enemy. Some do. And like some, some I mean, I can see it on your face, you're like, ooh, I don't know about all this. I don't know about going deeper with the Lord if that's what's going to happen. Some, some, some fear, because this is more than you've signed up for, right? This is more. Listen, you can choose to not be involved in this battle. You can choose to sit back and come to church and read your Bible and be a good Christian without pressing deep. And the enemy most likely won't harass you because you're not making a difference. But let me encourage you to not do that. Let me encourage you to risk everything. Let me encourage you to stare the enemy square in the eye and not back down. Let me encourage you that when the enemy tries to intimidate you, let me encourage you, don't back down. Let me encourage you to resist him because he will flee from you, is what James chapter 4 tells us. Resist the enemy and he will flee from you. You may be scarred. You may see some defeats, but you win. See, on the battlefield is where we make a difference. On the battlefield is where strongholds are destroyed. On the battlefield, intimacy with God exists that many have never tasted. On the battlefield is where people are saved we never thought possible. On the battlefield, the strongholds in your marriage are destroyed. On the battlefield, the strongholds and your kids are destroyed. On the battlefield. I want to invite you to fight with, with me. To push back the darkness in our community. I invite you to pray and fast. I want to invite you to fast tomorrow if you want to time. From sun up tomorrow, sundown tomorrow. I want to invite you to give up food, just water, just drink water, and spend that time praying that you would be eating. 
Every time your stomach growls, and when your headache's throbbing from lack of caffeine, pray. Pray that God would fix marriages. Pray that God would save kids. Pray that God would bring back the rebellious. Pray for our school. With a thousand kids or twelve hundred, whatever, in the middle school, high school. Such a small percentage here in churches around our our city. I promise you that we're we're not seeing 100 kids here this morning for for lack of effort from what's going on here. Give a maximum effort. There's a darkness there. It has to be pushed back. I invite you to fast for that. All the things that God wants us to do, that we've sat passively by and just waited, we invite you to get in strong back to darkness. We're not going to have cards. I'm not going to drive by the restaurants tomorrow looking to see, oh, I guess I guess they're not I guess they're not spiritual enough to fast or pray. Listen, scripture indicates that that this is that when we fast and pray that that we're not to make a big spectacle of it. But I'm but I'm encouraging you for a day to try something you never have before. Maybe God turns yours into two days or three days or ten. Twenty-one. I know what He does in you during that time will be so much better than your cheesecake chimichanga and I'm the first one in line to get one. For a day, engage in the battle and see what strongholds God doesn't, doesn't break down. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And God, this is kind of a it's kind of a weird passage. I mean, it's in the culture we live in, and and there's just all this tendency to think, oh, that that preacher's nuts. And that's all this hocus pocus. What's he talking about? God, we know your word is true. And this is what you've shown us. God, help us not to focus on angels or demons, all those things. Help us to focus on You, Christ-centered. God, I pray for those that are considering this and thinking, you know, I could do this, but I don't know if I could really do this. God, I pray that You lead our body to do that. Fast to ask You to send out missionaries from our place, to ask You to say, and to be, to be diligent in pressing into You. And God, I pray that what You do in the hearts of the people that participate will be, su- will be sweeter than anything that they've experienced up this point in their walk with You. Help us to push back the darkness in our, in our town, in our marriages, at our school, our businesses, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.